slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome again to the Locked On Islanders podcast. So much to talk about right now as we further our discussion of the Islanders at the halfway mark of the season. They've actually played 42 games, so that's one more than halfway. We will take a look back at a big battle with the Flyers on this date in Islanders history. That includes a big game for Bobby Nystrom. And, of course, we will preview Saturday's game coming up at the Barkley Center against the Boston Bruins. All that and a lot more to come on today's show. So make sure you stay with us. And don't forget, if you want to contact the show, suggest a topic for us to talk about, you have a question, a comment, uh, you can email us at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, We'll be happy to mention you on the air as we discuss your topic, question, or suggestion. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on all things happening in the world of the New York Islanders. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please uh, leave us a five-star review plus a comment, uh, on your local podcatcher that will help spread the word about the show and make it easier for other Islander fans to find us and join the Locked On Islanders family. All right, so Islanders at the halfway mark of the season. Actually, as I mentioned, one game past it. And I I guess, you know, you, you look at where this team is at right now and we're really seeing you know, a a dearth of goal scoring. And it, it remains, I think, the team's biggest problem right now. Look, the Islanders are 25th in a 31-team league in goals scored. And look, let's face it, that pace, 25th, 16 teams make the playoffs. 25th doesn't even put you close to, you know, the middle of the pack at this point. And through 42 games, through 42 games played, the Islanders have exactly four players in double digits with goals scored. That's Matthew Barzal with 16, Brock Nelson next with 15, Anders Lee 13, Anthony Beauvillier with 10. After that, a couple of people knocking on the door. Casey Sezikis has nine goals, and then Josh Bailey and Derek Brassard have eight. And, you know, as we've talked about, the Islanders don't really need a 30-40 goal scorer. They don't need necessarily a first-line center, but they need a, 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 a goal scorer 
who would ideally be, they would could use a second-line winger and or a third-line center. Someone who can, you know, score 20 to 25 goals, contribute on the power play, still be responsible in his own zone. And, you know, look, Derek Broussard was originally brought in to be that third-line center. And it really didn't work out for Broussard as the third-line center. He kind of disappeared in that role. Now, when they moved him to wing after some injuries hit, uh, he actually has done okay as a winger where he is able to contribute some power play points. He has six points on the power play, two goals, four assists. He's been able to be productive as a winger. Uh, But again, you know, halfway through the season, he's on pace for, you know, 41 points, 42 points. Not bad for a third-line guy, if that's where you're putting him. Uh, Eberle, as we mentioned yesterday, only four goals in 32 games, 18 points in 32 games. That's quite simply not getting it done. And they need more from him. You know, you look at the original fourth line. Matt Martin, six points. Three goals, six points in 30 games. He's not really the problem. You know, Cal Clutterbuck, three goals, seven points in 33 games. Uh, also not the problem. And then Sezikis, the center of that fourth line, nine goals, 13 points in 37 games. Those guys are doing, you know, what they're supposed to do and then some. And then you have the the other bottom six forwards who are really role players who are not expected to put up big numbers. Tom Cunackle, Ross Johnston. Uh, you know, these are guys who are going to play a few minutes uh, but are not going to necessarily put up big numbers. I th- still wonder about Andrew Ladd, whether they should bring him back. He's been very productive down in Bridgeport. Uh, but I don't know, you know, if he absolutely fits the mold for what Barry Trotz is looking for up front. So we have to sort of keep an eye on that. Uh, maybe Ladd comes up. Maybe Kiefer Bellows comes up from Bridgeport. He's leading the team with 14 goals. And most of those goals were scored in the last 10, 15 games. So he's hot. He would add a physical presence that, you know, Anders Lee is probably uh, the main guy among the top six forwards who adds that element. But certainly, and especially come playoff time, you want a player who can add that physical component, that extra element, uh, who can get in a goalie's face, who can create a distraction, who can occupy a defenseman, set screens, get tip-ins, get rebounds. The more players you have that can fit that role, I I think the better off you are. You got one on the top line in Lee, uh, but if you can add one to the second line and or the third line, that is definitely a benefit. And then, uh, again, if he's healthy, you think about Joshua Hosang. uh, The only major question you have about him is whether or not he'd conform to the Barry Trotz defense first system and be responsible in all three zones. So far, history says no, he wouldn't be, but uh, that remains to be seen if he's given another chance. Look, the talent is certainly there. 
Is the discipline there? Is the willingness to sacrifice for the good of the team something the Islanders definitely require of all their players uh, under this regime? And, and it's you've seen the benefits of it. Is that there yet? I don't know. I don't think we're going to see Joshua Hosang up long-term any time soon. Yesterday, by the way, Islanders making a uh, transaction. Sebastian Ajo, the defenseman, returned to Bridgeport on loan, technically. Uh, and look, Bridgeport playing three games this weekend, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, as you heard on Wednesday's Farm Report. Busy weekend for the Sound Tigers. Uh, Ajo not seeing any time up here with the Islanders. The Islanders only have one game this weekend, so it sort of made sense to give Ajo some ice time. Noah Dobson has been doing okay as the fill-in, and so Ajo down. We'll check and see if come Monday the Islanders elect to send him back to the parent club from Bridgeport. All right, we've got a lot more to get to, including this date in Islanders history and a preview of Saturday's game at the Barclays Center against the Bruins. Stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we are back. Let's talk a little bit about the Islanders defense core. And, you know, I, I mentioned on yesterday's show, which was sort of our half of the season review how they're probably going to need to bring in at least one defenseman in the absence of Adam Pellick. And one thing is, look, Pellick is a big minutes guy. He's steady. He's reliable. And the Islanders need to replace him. And look, Sebastian Ajo, good player, uh, can certainly fill in when needed from the AHL, probably capable of being a a decent third-pair defenseman, as is Noah Dobson right now. Both of them have upside, but it's not where they're at now. But, you know, how important now is Ryan Pulak to this team? So far, Pulak leads all defensemen in points, 42 games. He's played them all. Six goals, 20 points, a plus-two, plus-minus on the season. And... Look, here's a guy who gets time on the power play and the penalty kill. He now becomes extremely vital to this team. And the Islanders, I I think, really have to appreciate him. Scotty Mayfield also important. And now Nick Letty. His importance increases and Letty has to stay healthy. They are thin right now on defense and cannot afford... Uh, to really lose another player for any length of time. The important thing, though, again, in my mind, ideally, you need a steady defensive defenseman to step in uh, and and, and try to replace Pellick. But the other thing is, you still need someone who can quarterback this power play. And I don't see that person right now on the roster. They've got some guys with heavy shots, They've got some guys who can create plays off of those shots. But as far as uh, someone who's going to distribute the puck on the power play, keep the puck moving, uh, and and just keep the flow going offensively on that power play, they really don't have a defenseman on their roster right now who fits that bill. Now, 
Noah Dobson, to me, in a year or two, probably could fit that bill. He's got the skills necessary to step up into that role down the road. But as of right now, unfortunately, he does not have everything you need. He's just not mature enough, physically or experience-wise, to fill that need, you know, on the first power play unit. Second unit, few minutes here and there, absolutely. Can he play the point on the power play now? Yes, but he's not quite ready or mature enough to quarterback the power play in an authoritative, dominant, confident manner. It may happen. I think he's got the ability, but he's not quite ready for prime time at this point in his career to do that. And I am not saying the Islanders need to break the bank. They don't need to give up a top prospect or a first-round draft choice. They don't need to pay a lot of salary cap dollars uh, in order to acquire, you know, a P.K. Subban, not that he's available, but, you know, uh, a, a top flight, top five in this league kind of a defenseman. But, you know, give me a really good, not all-star, but good, solid, smart, puck-moving defenseman, and I think that would be a fantastic addition for this team at the trade deadline. Again, even a rental player at this point. I look at this roster, and there's no question the Islanders are a good team, but I think that they are, right now, three players away from being able to truly take that next step up and contend. They've got two goalies who can be relied on to play well in the playoffs. I think Varlamov is going to be the number one goalie uh, for the majority of the second half, but I think Rice will get his chances again. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, And I think it's still, you know, maybe going to be 55-45 as far as, you know, percentage of games started for the rest of the season, probably in favor of Varlamov. But they need a steady defensive defenseman, a defenseman who can quarterback the power play, or even, you know what, I'd even take a wing or a forward who can quarterback the power play. Uh, There are plenty of those out there in this league, and we've seen them over the years, uh, you know, guys who will move back to the point with the extra attacker, uh, and and can, you know, quarterback the power play from there, that would be acceptable. But ideally, a defenseman who can munch minutes to take Pelic's uh, place and a defenseman who can quarterback the power play and add uh, a little bit more effectiveness at distributing the puck, keeping it moving, and getting this power play back on track because look the power play right now is very much average you look at the numbers the islanders 17th in the league on the power play 19.1 percent success rate that's not going to get the job done uh i mean it's okay but you know in the playoffs power play goals become more important because there's less time less space the game is more intense, harder hitting, tighter checking, and power plays become more important. I think this is a good team right now, but if they want to be an elite team, those are the three elements they need to add. 
a 25-goal scorer, uh, a steady defensive defenseman who can give them 20-plus minutes a night, and a defenseman or, in the alternative, a forward who can quarterback the power play. All right, we will be back with more. We still have this date in Islanders history and a preview of Saturday's game against the Bruins at the Barclays Center. Stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to January 10th, 1977 at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. What was then a Patrick Division rivalry game, the Islanders hosting the Philadelphia Flyers, and this game got off to a fast start for the Islanders. Defenseman Jim Watson of the Flyers called for interference just 10 seconds into the game. Remember, this is the days of the Broad Street Bullies where the Flyers were the most intimidating and physical teams in the league. The Islanders wasted no time in making them pay for that penalty. Brian Trottier got his 13th goal of the year from Pat Price and J.P. Parise just 16 seconds into the game, and the Islanders held an early 1-0 lead. Dennis Potvin adds to the lead at 7.54, the only assist to Jude Druan, and it was 2-0 Islanders, and then Bob Nystrom, his 20th goal of the season from Bob Bourne at 17.42, and it looked like the Islanders were going to dominate this one. They had the early 3-0 lead. However, just 17 seconds after Nystrom's goal, Moose DuPont scores for the Flyers, his third of the year from Oris Kindrachuk. And after 20 minutes, the Islanders had a 3-1 lead. But they would add to it in the second period. Nystrom scoring his second goal of the game on the power play from Price and Trottier. And then... At 6.35 of the second period, Billy Harris, the first draft choice ever in Islanders history, he scores his 13th, Pat Price, again with the assist, and the Islanders held a 5-1 lead. Flyers tried to get back into it. Ross Lonsberry scoring his 14th from Gary Dornhofer and Jim Watson, and it was a 5-2 game, but Bob Nystrom completes his hat trick. At the 11:26 mark of the second period, his 22nd of the year from Bourne and Dennis Potvan, and the Islanders led 6-2 after two periods. In the third period, the Islanders add to their lead. Jude Druan scores with Clark Gillies and Dennis Potvan getting the helpers. That's a power play goal as Paul Holmgren was in the box for tripping. And then Bob Bourne, his ninth from Parise and Hart, at 639, Jack McElhargy scored a late goal for the Flyers from Jim Watson to make the final score. The Islanders 8 and the Flyers 3. Glenn Resch in goal. He made 24 saves for the Islanders. Wayne Stevenson in goal for Philadelphia. He gave up all 8 goals. Islanders outshoot the Flyers 31 to 27, but the Islanders basically feasting in this game on uh, Wayne Stevenson and the Flyers. Dennis Potvin leading all players in this game with six shots on goal. 15,149 fans at the Coliseum. 
to see the Islanders beat the Flyers 8-3 on this date in Islanders history, January 10th, 1977. Alright, so the Islanders and the Bruins going to meet at the Barclays Center Saturday evening. Looking forward to that game, a 7 o'clock face-off in Brooklyn. This is the second of three meetings between the two teams. Islanders beat the Bruins 3-2 back on December 19th. And now this is the first of two meetings that will be Islanders home games. There's Saturday and then February 29th, a matinee. Uh, also an Islanders home game. So the Bruins right now coming into this game 25-8-11. and 11, A heck of a lot of overtime losses for the Bruins right now. They are still in first place in the Atlantic Division. Uh, seven points ahead of the second place Tampa Bay Lightning. Although the Bolts have two games in hand and Look, some players right now with hot hands for the Boston Bruins. And uh, no surprise, David Pasternak, uh, probably the hottest player right now. Brad Marchand, not far behind. Uh, and the Bruins, again, hoping to get things back on track. They have been struggling a little bit lately, uh, you know, losing three straight. One on the road to the Devils, then home games against Columbus and Edmonton before managing to uh, defeat the Nashville Predators on Tuesday. And uh, as we record this, they are playing the Winnipeg Jets at home in Boston. So lots going on there. Here is a team that just is very much at the top of things statistically. Bruins are 6th in the league in goals scored, 2nd in the league in goals against, 3rd on the power play with 27.5% success, and 2nd on the PK with 85% of their penalty kills being successful. You've got a great goaltending duo, Tuka Rask, 16, 4, and 6, with a 2-2-9 goals against and a 9-24 save percentage. He's got two shutouts. And then former Islander Yaroslav Halak in 18 starts, 9-4-5, a 2-2-5 goals against average, a 9-2-8 save percentage, and a team leading three shutouts. Uh, you look at this team offensively, Pasternik unquestionably the top goal scorer, 32 goals and 62 points, and he is extremely good on the power play. 26 of his 62 points have come with the man advantage, and Pasternik also leads the team with six game-winning goals. Brad Marchand right behind him, 61 points, 20 goals, and a team leading 41 assists, 20 of his points come on the power play. Patrice Bergeron, 18 goals and 37 points, both marks third on the club. Tori Krug, David Krejci, and Charlie Coyle uh, also providing a lot of offense right now for the Bruins. If we break it down by line, Bergeron, Marshot, and Pasternak, a very effective first line. David Krejci centers the second line with Jake DeBrusque and Anders Bjork 
on his wings. Charlie Coyle, the ex-Minnesota Wild, is the third-line center with Danton Heinen and David Backus flanking him. And Sean Curley is the fourth-line center with Joachim Nordstrom and Chris Wagner on his wings. The defense pairings right now, uh, Matt Greslick is paired with Charlie McAvoy, Tori Krug on the second pairing with Brandon Carlo, and then John Moore and Steve Kampfer are the third pair. Uh, meanwhile, injuries, you know, still an issue. Connor Clifton, Zidane Chara, Kevin Miller, Carson Kuhlman, and Anton Bleed all out with injuries, and yet this team continues to play some pretty effective hockey. And the Bruins present a challenge for the Islanders. They're going to put that two-game winning streak on the line. And for the New York Islanders, not a lot of breathing room. The Pittsburgh Penguins continue to put pressure on the Islanders. They picked up two more points the other night. Both the Islanders and the Penguins now have 57 points. The Islanders have played one fewer game. And that, at least as of now, leaves them in second place in the Metropolitan Division. Eight points behind the Capitals, but the Islanders right now have three games in hand. And then the Islanders will, uh, after the weekend is over on Monday, they will be at Madison Square Garden to take on the Rangers, the first of three meetings with the Rangers in just about, what, 11 days. So that'll be exciting. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. want to thank everybody for listening. Wishing you all a great weekend. And thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.